0: Welcome to Ink's The Founder's Project with Alexa von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnVast, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm Alexa Von Tobel, your host. And this week, I'm really excited for you to meet Francois Kress, the co-founder and CEO of Feelmore Labs, a pioneering health and tech company elevating the self-care industry. Feelmore Labs' debut product, Cove, is a scientifically proven new wearable device that improves sleep and cancels stress. Feelmore Labs started in 2017 and has raised venture capital from leading investors, including Truventures and 13. After significant clinical trials, the data is in. 90% of people who use Co for 30 days experience 41% less stress and their sleep quality is improved by 50%. Before Feelmore Labs, Francois spent over two decades in the luxury industry. He held top positions at leading fashion brands, including Carolina Herrera, Louis Vuitton, Stuart Weitzman, Prada, Thoreau, and Fendi. He is an MS from the prestigious Ecole Polytechnique and degrees in international business and civil engineering. Let's welcome Francois. Hi, Francois.
1: Hey, Alex, how are you?
0: First of all, I have been looking forward to this episode for a long time because I'm a big wearables person. And the fact that Cove was launched through COVID at a time where I think we've all experienced more stress than ever before, um, I'm just dying to learn more. I want to start with the basics. Um, describe everybody, what is Cove and how on earth did you come up with this beginning idea and found this company?
1: Cove is a device, a wearable, as you said, that you Uh, When you feel stressed or in anticipation of a stressful event or before bed, for sleep, you just put, you know, on your head, wraps around your ears, you turn it on and you will feel very gentle vibration behind your ears, which in turn, and we can talk more in detail later, but will activate a deep part of your brain, which modulates your anxiety and your stress. Then you don't have anything to do. I can wear it for 20 minutes now. It's the duration of a session. This vibration will do the job in a very specific way. And help my brain handle and become more resilient to stress over time. So that's what Cove does, and how we came to it. I mean, it's a long story, as always in neuroscience. Nothing is very simple. It's not an exact science. But we, the founding team, was involved with like some early research at Harvard Medical School and MIT, which was showing that by vibrating on the skin, you could impact the nervous system, but it took a long time to go from that original idea to actually finding how to vibrate where to vibrate and what the outcome was or could be and there was a leap of faith at originally just to think okay that would be fantastic if we could nail a vibration which would really do something positive to the person being vibrated on and uh, after like i would say 3 years of uh, intensive clinical research we came up with this Cove device, which uh, has given amazing results in the field.
0: So you've called Cove, which I love this, and also this sounds so wonderful. I feel like we all need one. A hug for the mind. Talk a little bit about what you guys are trying to accomplish with Cove, and give everybody a sense of those chapters. You just said three years clinical trials. It's been tested on thousands of people. The efficacy, so that you could begin to sell it. Just walk people through that. What was that like? That that was like and knowing that you came from the fashion world. So this is a totally new chapter of your own career. So just walk us through a little bit of that.
1: I started in science. I met the man who started LVMH, you're probably familiar with this company, he's a leading group in luxury, who um, has the same type of curriculum I have from France, invited me to join the group in the mid nineties, when fashion and luxury was not what it is today. It was more a collection of family brands uh, based on craftsmanship, and history and he made it the industry it is today which is obviously a buoyant uh, gigantic industry then i was very happy to join that effort which and I, as you said i stayed for nearly more than 25 years but my heart was still in science you know i still i love the beautiful things i love the business model of fashion and luxury and the complexity of marketing but i always missed a little bit my original science background then one thing leading to another i uh, ended up sitting on the board of a biotech company where I met the right VCs and the right people involved with the early stage of this, the idea of this project. And we all decided that the marriage of my experience in bringing products to the market that people don't really need, you know, when you look at luxury, it's what it is. It's, it's expensive products that people don't need that you sell, but they sell very well. Then why? I mean, the history of this kind of neuromodulation devices is not great on the consumer market because they have been poorly design usually and, and poorly m- marketed, then I think both my scientific background with the ability to run this science-based research and my upper marketing background with the luxury industry combined led to finally produce something that people are proud to wear, is not stigmatising and we know what people like You know, on the consumer side, it's very different from the medical side then I think we were able to build a very mixed team of uh, talent from the research side with neuroscientists to the marketing side with people coming from the world of luxury, which helps kind of converge with a product which finally hopefully will be massively adopted and help people with their everyday life. So going back to your question about the studies, my first and, and foremost, and we are still true to that assumption and desire was to stay true to science. There was no way we would take shortcuts, even for the consumer market. We could have sold this product from day one, putting a random vibration and saying it's working. Nothing would have prevented us from doing that. But no, we decided to spend the money, raise enough money to last and and test it, as you said, on thousands of people to understand really what it was doing. We did brain imagery studies with 700 EEGs and more, some MRI studies, really to see what's happening in the brain when you wear this thing. We didn't have to do it. We went the extra mile to make sure that we had valid data and valid studies from the qualitative and quantitative standpoint. And, and we once we were sure of that, then we manufactured this product and put it on the market.
0: The goal is to wear COVE twice a day for 20 minutes. And as you showed us, it goes over your ears and it vibrates. And you just talked about 700 you know, brain imaging studies. What is it doing to your brain? What at its most fundamental level is, is COVE really doing?
1: Yeah, and, and it's quite easy to comprehend. I mean, you know, we all have a nervous system, which is composed of your brain, your spinal cord, and all the nerves which go from your organs, from your skin to and back to the nerve and the spinal cord. Then what we, we are tapping into this pre-existing system. And if we zoom in, in your skin, you have micro little receptors called mechanoreceptors, which are there. They are nerves, they are attached to nerves and they are there just to detect motion or interaction with the skin. Some are there for uh, detect pinching, some other stretching. And the ones we are targeting detect very gentle vibrations and actually they detect affective touch. Affective touch being typically the touch of a mother to a child, you know, a newborn. That's something which we know now is connected directly to a deep part of the brain called the insular cortex which in turn will modulate other parts of the brain which are responsible to uh, decrease anxiety. Then basically when you provide a gentle caress to someone else who likes you, hopefully, they will feel protected. But that's actually a process we understand. We see that part of the brain lighting up. We see other parts of the brain lighting up and all involved with the generation of all the chemicals and neurotransmitters you need to to feel safe and feel calm and relaxed then that's what we do. We do that 20 minutes at a time, once or twice a day or more, because you cannot really overdo it. And every time you will train your brain to generate those chemicals. And over time, you will even create more connections in your brain, which will lead ultimately to you being more naturally resilient to stress without even using the device. You are building resilience by using the device, by training your brain over time.
0: I mean, listening to you, Francois, I don't know that there could have been a better year on the planet for Cove to be launched. It was launched last summer in the middle of 2020 through a global pandemic where stress could not have been at more of a peak. I still think we haven't fully understood the stress that we've gone through as a group of human beings. Talk a little bit about the timing, getting the launch out, the product, what you feel are the early just milestones to date that are giving you enthusiasm about the future of the company.
1: Obviously, it was totally coincidental, and I wish it didn't happen, but we launched in the middle of the pandemic. On the hard side for us as a company was obviously the fact that we suddenly had to work entirely remotely, which is probably fine for a software company, but we are a hardware company. We're still making something physical. That that was a challenge, especially as our factories are in Asia. We couldn't ever go to our factories. Our engineers couldn't go there during the years. And it delayed us a lot in our launch and in getting the product right because it's a lot of back and forth normally. But again, that's a logistics detail, but uh, many companies were impacted by that and the scarcity of electronic components also, which have affected a lot of industries, especially the auto industry lately, has affected us too. But besides that, obviously, it's a fertile market in some extent. Although I believe you know, stress is always there with us. People have sleep issues even with... And you don't need... A specific reason to be stressed or to uh, have uh, issues sleeping. You know, we create our own issues. We know the human being is complicated, and you don't need a pandemic to be stressed. Stress is important in life, by the way, to keep you on your on your toes. But what's important is to be able to manage it and to go from fight and flight response to the relaxation response and be able to control these cycles. The problem is that people get on overdrive, and obviously during a pandemic when you're so spinning in circles and you're ruminating in your head and you don't know what tomorrow will be about, and you don't know if you, money, family, I mean, all the issues, we know health, then it was amplified, and it was obviously uh, an interesting moment for us to talk about stress and anxiety and sleep issues because people were very receptive and very interested in the science. We realized that the general public is actually very hungry for uh, science. Then we try to deliver that uh, in small bites. But we saw that also with, by the way, the, the COVID, the vaccine and all these things. People ask a lot of questions. They want to lead, uh, read uh, uh, peer-reviewed studies. We get a lot of technical questions, which is very interesting, because that that means that it's the right way today to go. If you have a product based on science, well, do your homework right. You know. Cover the science, even if you are not a medical product, do do it right because customers are are not stupid and they uh, and they will call uh, your bluff if you don't do your homework properly.
0: Well, actually, that's a perfect transition. So on that note, you guys have a number of scientific advisors and you partnered with institutions like MIT, Brown, Columbia Medical School how have you thought about bringing the scientific community in to the product also just given that you yourself are actually an expert at branding and marketing and taking all of your fashion background and in so many ways translates nicely to cove so how have you thought about that
1: yeah i mean there are two reasons to have scientific advisor one is we don't know everything we have great neuroscientists in house but you know we need to learn from the best in the field and and also from practitioners, people who see patients every day, who really know what's going on and how they treat them and how our technology could insert itself in a treatment when we go the medical route, which we can discuss later. But then that's one thing, just for the learning, the advice, actually playing the role of advisors. There's another one which many companies is using too. Another reason is optically it looks good that you have white coats on your website. Then it's kind of the icing of the cake. But in our case, we really only uh, have three scientific advisors permanent on our scientific advisory board who are perfectly pertinent in terms we had a meeting with them this morning by the way who are really helping us figuring out what we are doing because it's such ahead of its time in terms of you know uh, neuromodulation which is a field in which we are uh, or neurostimulation as it's called is usually electrical and there is nothing serious on the market ever medically or on the consumer side which uses mechanical vibrations. It's all about electricity. Then it's totally novel. It's very intriguing for the medical uh, world as well. Then we are getting a lot of interest. That's why it's super important for us to have the best of the best on our scientific advisory board to get uh, a good sounding board and you know, bouncing ideas all the time with them.
0: So Francois, you have described COVE as the future of self-care. And as somebody who's truly trying to push the boundaries of stress and self-care How do you think about how that world is evolving? And if you fast forward five years, 10 years, what are some of the predictions you have for the category?
1: Yeah, and and that's uh, very interesting because the category, the wearable category, as we know it, is mostly composed today of trackers or monitoring devices, which are fantastic. They can help, you know, even on the medical side, they can help people being monitored at all times and get alerts when something goes wrong that you don't necessarily feel. On the consumer side, you have a lot of heart rate trackers, steps trackers, temperature, uh, galvanic skin response, which is basically the humidity of your skin. I mean, there's a lot of things which are being used now, but they still require you to go through screen and dashboards and understand data and and moreover, uh, however we believe these data are reliable, act upon it to change the way you behave or the way you eat or the way you exercise then it's still a huge effort. It's still the devices so far are pretty passive and you have to be the active force. We are kind of reversing the paradigm by bringing an active device, which is going to directly activate parts of your brain while you are completely passive. You just have to wear it and I can be talking to you and and having a session at the same time. I won't even notice while my brain is at work, but I don't know that. It's all pre-conscious. Then I think we are at the forefront of something new, which will be a new generation of devices, which should, and by the way, they need to be technology because we need something to activate this natural pathway, but you could almost do it yourself. <laughs> that, that would be too much work and it's not practical. Then I think we, we, we will see a lot more of those coming out while people have to figure out obviously what they are doing, but it's devices which do something to you uh, safely and just are not hacking your systems. They are just Activating an existing pathway inside you—you you have it in you. We are just triggering it. That's all we are doing.
0: One last question for you on Cove. Cove is part of a larger umbrella company, uh, Feelmore Labs. What's your ambition for Feelmore as a whole? How else are you thinking about your future over the next five years, ten years, and beyond?
1: Then, without revealing uh, our whole strategy, Feelmore is, is part of a bigger family. Uh, we have a holding company actually we have two companies we have Filmore and another company uh, i won't reveal the name because it's still pretty stealth and i'm running both but the other one is the medical side of things and we are in the final stages of uh, discussion with the fda to get our technology cleared for clinical uh, claims and prescription wow. then that could Happen in the coming weeks, then again, I'm not saying more because I will get in trouble. <laughs> but, uh, just to say that uh, first, our ambition is not to stay only on the consumer side. I think our technology allows much more. We are talking about looking into depression. Definitely, we have looked already and performed clinical trials, like the proper ones, the ones, you know, double blinded, placebo clinical trials that we uh, performed one on anxiety and one on insomnia. They are done. And again, we are the phase where we have been sharing data with the FDA and waiting for their response. Then the ambition is is very broad. One of our investors, you didn't mention, Arch Ventures, is one of the leading uh, VC in healthcare and biotech. Then they are big backers of ours as well. Then we are really trying to address both markets because I believe people are people. Would they be on the medical side or on the consumer side? It's all being on kind of a spectrum, if you will, of stress uh, up to a certain point, we call that stress. Beyond that, we call that anxiety. And a doctor will make the determination if you are suffering from anxiety or if you are just stressed, but the treatment is basically the same. Then we want to cover the entire world of stress, if you will, because we found a technology which, which can do both. And that's really the ambition. And then we will address more. We are making the claims we have studied now, which are stress and sleep. But you will see over time more benefits coming out of our technology because what we do is actually a higher level improvement of some of your brain functions. And we know, and I don't want to mention anything now because we don't have enough data to talk about it, but we can also help things in your affective or emotional life, not only stress and sleep, which are the most obvious benefits for now.
0: Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. I want to switch gears a little bit. You as a founder, as I said at the top of this, you've actually been involved with some of the highest, most important fashion companies in the world, truly, you know, from Louis Vuitton, Carolina Herrera, Prada, et cetera. And you were then on the board of a biotech company and basically realized that it spoke to you at that chapter in your career of, I want to go do something in this space that also, by the way, was married to your educational roots. Talk a little bit about that pivot and what drives you as an entrepreneur and again, now a founder.
1: Yes, yeah, the, the, the pivot came really naturally because that was a phase where I think I had, as you said, worked with most of the greatest brands and um, the job could have become maybe a little repetitive towards the end. And also the fashion industry, the luxury industry, the retail industry at large has changed a lot since Internet, since the crisis of 2008, et etc. There was probably a little less excitement from the days where it was more about expansion, especially geographic expansion. I worked for many years in Asia, I worked in the US, I worked in Europe, and it was covering the world, opening stores, developing those brands which were very small in the late 90s, when today it's more like about finding ways, how do we use these new technologies to sell these products which come from the past? And it was a little less exciting for me, even if this industry is fantastic and beautiful. Then you know, it's just uh, as often in life, it's a kind of a coincidentally, I got offered this board position, which was great because it was in the world of aesthetic medicine. It was a medical product and I got really initiated uh, drinking of uh, a whole like a fire hose to like uh, the FDA regulatory aspect or the VC world, which I never was exposed to because they don't really exist in fashion and luxury. Then it's a, it was a revelation for me. And at the same time, these guys thought my background was interesting because there are few people who actually have the science brain, you know, I can understand hard facts, but also the soft marketing and, and commercial touch that I acquired as a CEO of various companies in, in fashion and, and, and luxury. Then this combo was very interesting for them because they realized that usually tons of great technologies out there which fail because they are not... Marketed properly, or they are not described properly, or they are not built properly, um, and I really bring the discipline of great consumer products. Then I think that that was a natural move for me. Um, I
0: actually want to go back. You talked a little bit about uh, running around, um, you know, Asia. You were sent by Louis Vuitton to saipan to open a store, and you said it was one of the most challenging work experiences you ever had. Tell us a little bit about what you learned through running to grow fast and help expansion that maybe you apply to your work today.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that particular experience, that was my very first international experience. I was like, grew up in France, spoke, I didn't. I barely spoke any English at the time uh, because I never learned English at school. Uh, I learned German and Russian, God knows why. I was in my late 20s and LVMH, you know, generously said, let's send this guy, he seems smart enough to Saipan in the middle of nowhere to open a store to test a concept, basically uh, a multi-brand for, uh, at the time, Japanese tourists, duty-free tourists. Then it was extremely challenging because I didn't know anything about retail, didn't know anything about luxury, barely spoke English, ended up in an island in the middle of the Pacific with very little... uh, And I had to hire people in Tokyo and the Philippines to build a team and try to build a store and sell something to Japanese tourists. I didn't know anything about Japan either. Then it was really, really super challenging, but super exciting and gave me really the taste of working on exotic markets. And and obviously you learn or you don't, but I I think I did. And I love, and it's probably you asked earlier actually, uh, what was the excitement of being a founder? I'm not a serial founder like some people, you know, I work for, You know, Fortune 500 companies mostly, but uh, I had companies when I was younger, but that's a detail. But I think it's it's this notion of like pioneering something, getting an ID, abstract ID, and making something of it, building teams, picking people for, Thinking out of the box, things that are harder to achieve in a more structured environment sometimes, larger companies where you can be frustrated because usually you take something which already exists and you try to make it better, which is not always possible. Here I was given basically just a vague idea and we made it a reality, which is super rewarding.
0: You literally got thrown onto an island where you didn't speak the language and you had to go build something. That That's a pretty good analogy for being a founder, um, quite literally, and it was in your early 20s. One of the things that's really amazing about you is you're now building a product that actually takes time to get up. You started in 2017, it's now you know launched in 2020, it's 2021. How do you practice patience? How do you balance the urgency of being a founder where you want everything to happen yesterday and the patience of building the right thing?
1: Well, ask my wife and my co I think they would have a very (laughs) precise opinion about my usual level of patience. I'm not a patient person. I've never been. I think, uh, de facto, you have to be patient because we are limited by the time it takes, uh, especially engineering that's something i discovered you know hardware is hard that's what my investor told me i said oh they don't know what they're talking about i've been making handbags and shoes and stuff all my life a piece of cake no it's actually very hard it takes an enormous amount of time lots of failures uh, usually or uh, in a very far away country then yes you you just uh, you know we we there, there is so much going on because we have research on one side. We have obviously building the brand, the marketing, the engineering. I got involved at a very granular level with everything these past few years, and I was busy. All I mean, I think I exercise patience by staying busy. That's, that's probably the best thing. If I'm not busy, that's a catastrophe, that's where I'm unbearable. But uh, keep me busy, you're fine.
0: How do you, what are your hacks? Um, you've been in the founder's seat for four years and uh, as we all know, being a founder is uh, basically an ask to be superhuman, which is really, really hard. As you think about your own rituals, whether it's sleep, exercise, eating healthy, seeing friends, what are the things that you swear by to make sure you stay sane while trying to actually build this really massive vision?
1: Well, I, I think I'm, I'm, I've am I'm. always been very disciplined in some way with myself and, you know, I don't go often to dinner. I go to bed early. I've been a runner of my life and I run, you know, marathon. Not last year, nothing happened, but I run races frequently. I I run my, you know, 50 to 100 miles a, a week depending on uh, the seasons. And that keeps me on... a I, I like to have this routine and I don't work over hours. That has always been a rule for me. I am done at a certain time, unless, obviously, as an exception. I start at a certain time. I try not to work on the weekends unless absolutely necessary, and I encourage my team to do the same. It's usually workable if you're organized. I think I'm quite organized. Then I think the, uh, it's about being disciplined and, and not uh, trying not to overreact. And there's usually nothing we cannot wait until tomorrow, uh, unless you're saving lives. Then, which we may, but not directly. It's about that. And to last, you know, I'm I'm turning 55 in a couple of months. And if you want to last, you have to pace yourself in a smart way. It doesn't mean that you're not delivering, but you don't have to rush into everything. And keeping a routine for me has always been uh, the salvation because I'm someone who doesn't sleep very well. Then I know I have to wind down before bed. I have to have a dark room. I have to have a quiet cold room, I have to go to bed early enough and I know I will fall asleep even if I wake up early. I mean, I have a, I have a routine, a boring routine, but I have a routine.
0: <laughs> By the way, as I like sit here and look at you and I'm getting to know you, it feels like nothing about you is boring, but I really appreciate the honesty of just the dedication to taking care of yourself and staying true to just basically putting in the guardrails to make sure that each day you can be your best. Um, I want to transition to our quick fire round where I'm just going to ask some really quick questions and you give us the first thing that comes to mind. First, what we'll gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: I am always excited in the morning by the day to come. That's something which is in me. So, and even if I go to bed like depressed, down, whatever, something in the morning, I'm, I'm there. And that I can't take any merit because it's who I am.
0: I love it. As you think about to date at Cove in the last four years, what's been the biggest pinch me moment where you got the most excited about what happened to the business?
1: Oh, it's really when we realized that actually we were onto something uh, scientifically. Because again, oh, at the beginning we were vibrating all of the body with different vibration, and nothing was happening. Uh, I mean, it was nice or whatever, but nothing in the brain was happening until we nailed the vibration we have now, and that was uh, that that justified everything.
0: I love that when it's Sunday night and you're looking ahead at the week and you're excited. Why?
1: I'm always, you know, there is there are two parts of Sunday night, like there is a Sunday jitter, so I don't know why it's called, but like when you have like, probably back to school, you know, thinking of, ah, oh, I haven't done my homework, I'm um, stressed, and there's still the syndrome still with me on a Sunday night, I'm a little anxious about Monday morning, but I'm always excited because I have my to-do list, I I, I keep to-do lists, which I think is still the best way to get things done. Then my to-do list is ready for, for the Monday. I'm excited to start from the top to the bottom.
0: Fast forward two years, how many days a week do you think people go into the office?
1: Well, I think that's going to be a bell curve, you know, like people in software, maybe still at zero, they were at zero before. Uh, some companies which really make something and need to be together, maybe at five, but I think most companies will be at two or three, I think will be right in the middle.
0: It's funny, you're almost right on the nose. Everybody said the same thing, which I find fascinating. And then last question, other than Cove, what's one other startup or product that through COVID you learned about, you used? It could be anything. It can be a food. It can be a new fashion product. It can be anything that you want to give a shout out to.
1: Oh, uh, very basic. Like these guys called Natura, N-A-T-O-O-R-A. They deliver the best vegetables to you in New York. They have an app and like grown in some farms around i mean they, they collect the best vegetables in the neighborhood and they deliver them to you and, and because i love to cook i've been eating very well actually during covid then i encourage everybody to check them out
0: <laughs> and, and that's natura
1: Natura with two O's, yeah, Natura.
0: Awesome, amazing. I'm going to absolutely check it out. Francois, first of all, this has just been an absolute delight. I cannot tell you how excited I am to use a Cove. I think you may be speaking to my core as a human here um, with the products that you're building, and I'm so excited for your vision. Everybody out there, if you want to learn more, check out fieldcove.com to learn more about Cove. Um, you can join us next week for Ink the Founders Project with Alex Toble and I want to sincerely say thank you to Francois. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Alexander.